Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is our Sunday school hour for March 26, 2023. And just in case my brother is watching, happy birthday, Jeff. And uh, we're going to be going back to the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, we're in chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 18. Kind of weird. Uh, that's what caught my attention and why I wanted to, to deal with this. Solomon uh, writing in ancient Hebrew styles and in their context and everything says some things that the original audience would probably get the first time they read it, but to our modern uh, 21st century ears, eyes, and brains, it just doesn't make much sense. It's kind of strange the way this is worded. And he says this, do not be overly righteous. Well, I thought we were supposed to be as righteous as possible, right? He says, do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Okay, well, you know, have you ever heard anybody say something like, oh, he's a wise guy, or don't be a wise guy? Well, that kind of makes a little bit more sense there. Don't be overly wise. Nobody likes a person like that, a smart aleck, we, we might say. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. So obviously on that, we're going to need a little bit of uh, thinking and a little bit of understanding because that's not uh, really easy to grasp. But uh, look at the introduction that I have there. Maybe that'll help kind of get the uh, juices flowing and the brain cells rubbing together and working. We live in a time of extremes. We tend to be a people of extremes. So when Solomon says not to be too righteous, uh, is he saying that a little sin is good and uh, just make sure it's not too much? Or is there another thing to what he says? And how could that uh, actually be wise? And so uh, let's, let's consider this. Number one, Solomon is not endorsing moral laxity. The ESV study Bible puts it like this. The preacher, and Solomon refers himself to that, not that he's a pastor of the church, but the Hebrew word he uses is koheleth, and it just means the one he's proclaiming a message. And so Solomon in this book is at the end of his life, having learned from uh, the things that the Lord has taught him, from the wisdom, the gift of wisdom that he was given, and his lack of application of that wisdom. I mean, there are a lot of things we can know and understand and never apply, and that's what uh, uh, Solomon was guilty of. I mean, we say things all the time like, well, I knew this was going to blow up in my face. I knew this was going to be a mess. When I Well, then why did you do it? And um, that's kind of what Solomon is giving us this whole entire book to look back on his life and say, these are things I wished I hadn't done. These are things I wish that I had applied. And he wants to give us wisdom. Now, the ESV study Bible says the preacher is not advocating moral laxity, and you can compare these verses to chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, if you want to. And uh, bearing in mind that he is using the term righteous uh, 
in the same sense as being right in one's cause. Uh, you believe something, you are carrying the banner, the torch for something, and you are pushing that in everything that you do. That's what he's talking about. It can be somebody who is, uh, well, what about if you get around somebody that is extremely political and very, very partisan, don't you get a little tired of them when everything that comes up, every TV show, every commercial, every, I mean, a restaurant menu and all of those kind of things reminds them of something political and they're going to push their agenda all the way through. Now, we're not talking necessarily about moral things. We're talking about just sheer politics. Doesn't that kind of get on your nerves? And then what about the person who is never wrong? No matter what happened, I mean, you could actually see them doing something wrong and it's somebody else's fault or there's some other reason for it. They can never just accept the blame. And that seems to be what Solomon is talking about. Don't be overly right. Don't be a person who drives everybody away and drives everybody crazy because you are always right. You always have to give and force your opinion on other people. I mean, it just gets old when people do that. So Solomon is not endorsing moral laxity, saying, just go ahead and sin a little bit and, you know, be one of the guys, one of the boys and, you know, live a little and, and moderate on all this. Don't be too much like the Lord. Well, we're commanded in the scripture to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And we can't do that. And that's why it was done for us by Christ. And that's why he paid the price for our sin on the cross and then took our sin and gave us his righteousness. So in the eyes of God and on the books of the record books of heaven, we have the perfection of Christ. And the Lord is not saying, hey, back down from all of that and don't live that way. He's just saying, don't be one of those know-it-all wise guy type people and even some Christians are always doing that. Everything that comes up, they've got to correct it. They've got to say something about it. They've got to fix whatever is going on. And it just gets a little obnoxious sometimes. You know, you've seen maybe people talk about on social media and stuff, the grammar Nazis that come along and you got your punctuation wrong or something else is wrong that you don't, you're not even aware of and everybody knows what you mean. And so you call them a grammar Nazi or something. Well, this is what uh, Solomon is kind of talking about. So number two, look at Solomon's counsel. Overly righteous means always having to be right and proven right. Uh, I've known some people that you could have a conflict with them and you could say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me a million and one times. But that doesn't satisfy them. What they want to hear is, hey, man, you were right, and that's most important to them, and they drive everything home to that point till people can admit and see that they were right. I was right. I was right. You know, those people tend to be lonely because that's a very difficult thing to deal with, overly righteous, always having to be right and proven right. You have a problem with that? I kind of do, and uh, I like to win arguments. And I don't mind arguing if I can win. But um, my dad used to tell me I would argue with a stop sign. But uh, I found out I couldn't win on those kind of things. And uh, I've tried, when I was a teenager, I found out the hard way, 
You don't argue with a cop when they pull you over either. You just say, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you say, sir. And they might give you a warning or something. But if you push it to, I'm, I'm right on this and you're wrong, you're probably not going to win. Okay? Let's look at the next bullet point under point number two. He says, lest you destroy yourself. And the idea there is you're going to lose friends. You're going to be ignored. You're going to be alienated. And you're going to lose all of your influence. Nobody's going to want to hear you. They get tired of that kind of thing. Oh, here he comes again, Mr. Know-it-all. And they've already made up their mind that they don't want to hear what you have to say. Now, granted, let's just get this in perspective. They're probably wrong in saying that. And you probably could help them. But uh, the old saying is, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And sometimes this being right all the time is kind of a, a vinegary type thing. It just is off-putting to people. And so Solomon is giving us some um, much-needed advice here about just how to get along with other people. Even if you are right, you don't have to toot your own horn about it. You don't have to push and force the issue or you will destroy yourself and lose all of your influence and your friends. Now when he says overly wicked, he's talking here about the person who is, uh, maybe they're actually innocent, but they're such a people pleaser, they apologize for something they didn't do. They take the blame for something they really didn't do and so they appear to be a wicked person when they're really not. You know anybody like that? I know some people that will apologize all the time even if they don't know what you're talking about. They just, well, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that or I'm probably wrong. or That doesn't uh, help you either. Don't be overly wicked, always accepting the blame. And the key here is when not guilty. We've got to be honest with each other. And um, these people are just the ones who are trying to keep the peace and they take the blame and they uh, do that to the point of allowing evil to be spread. What if there's a mass murderer out there and they are killing and destroying people and uh, here's somebody up there who uh, they get accused of it and because, I know, I know this is an absurd illustration, but as... Uh, you know, somebody used, uh, said one time, we've got to illustrate absurdity by being absurd. And so let's say that you take it and you go, yeah, I did it. I'm tired of messing with all of this. I'm tired of being questioned. I'm tired of being interrogated. I'm tired of the pressure and the stress and all of this. Uh, yeah, I did it. We've heard of false confessions. They happen every once in a while. And what happens when the innocent person is put in jail or the innocent person is executed what does that do to the one who's actually doing the evil? It leaves them free to do more. And again, I know that's a very extreme illustration, but that's what happens in everyday life when we're always taking the blame and we do it just because we don't want anybody to be upset with us and we're trying to keep the peace when really what we're doing is lying and being dishonest. And the Bible tells us we're at a put away lying and we're not to lie to one another. And uh, so what happens when you do that? It allows evil to spread. And so Solomon is saying, don't be the person who is pushing and forcing the fact that you are right on everybody else because you lose friends, 
You lose influence. You destroy yourself on all of that because nobody's going to want to be around you. You're a jerk. And then, on the other hand, don't be the person that's always accepting the blame and always taking the burden upon yourself and always assuming that you're wrong because when you're not guilty, that just allows evil to spread. So you can see this is kind of a practical thing. And if you uh, think about your children, you always have, if you have multiples of children, um, I know there were times, and I know this is going to surprise you, but Jenny, she would take the blame so that people would not be mad and be fighting, and she would try to fix it by taking it upon herself and defending the other two when the other two were dead wrong. And so you have to think about that and go, Jenny, that's not a great thing to do. You're not helping anything just by doing that so nobody will fight and people will quit arguing that you take it on yourself. It just gives the other two the idea that, hey, we can do this and we can shove her around and, and uh, get away with it. And there are a lot of people that are like that. Solomon addresses all of these kind of things, keeping the peace, taking the blame to the point of allowing evil to spread. I think that's a very important thing to uh, consider here. There's a time when we need to speak up. There's a time when we do need to uh, not take things upon ourselves that uh, we shouldn't take. And uh, there is a point where speaking up and uh, our taking action allows people to... Uh, let me see, I'm, I'm reading that wrong. There is a point where not speaking up and not taking action allows people to get hurt. And I think that's one of those things we need to think about. When the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth, it doesn't mean we're supposed to be just Christian doormats for people to step on and wipe their feet upon. But at the same time, um, we're not to be asserting our personal rights. So how do we balance all of that out? And the idea is, you remember Jesus got angry in the temple when his father was being dishonored. And I think it's always right for us to speak up and take action when God is being defamed and being dishonored. And I think also because of the commandment that we're to love God with everything we've got. And right after that, we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I think we're supposed to speak up when other people are being mistreated. I think we're to speak up when other people are being hurt. I don't think we're supposed to just take it and allow that to go on. I think there is a time uh, when we speak up. And so number three, the point is to be wise and not foolish in handling these things. There is a time to be defrauded. There is a time to just say, well, whatever, I'm just going to uh, sit and, and take it. Uh, that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. The Corinthian church, they were suing one another, and Paul was upset about that because here Christian people were taking their disputes to a secular court, and they were making the church look bad, they were making the cause of Christ look bad, and they looked bad as believers. And uh, so Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, that uh, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? To stand for what is right, uh, 
to use laws and to protect others is admirable. But just to do it because you want your way and you're not going to give anything up. And, and how are you going to tell the difference? You're going to have to be wise. Think about this. In Acts chapter 5, 29, Peter is in a courtroom situation. And it says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And then in Acts chapter 16, verse 37, Paul and uh, Silas have been thrown into a jail and they are Roman citizens and that was illegal. Okay, They had certain rights that uh, had been violated. And notice in Acts 16, 37, Paul actually asserts his legal rights. But Paul said to them, we, uh, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison and uh, now they want to throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. And the idea there was, you're going to do this and you're going to violate the law and violate our rights. This is illegal and somebody's got to speak up. <coughs> Pardon me. And stop this. And so uh, they, they threw us in here secretly and now they want us to go out secretly without any kind of a fuss or anything like that. And he goes, nope, let them stand up and let them, and here's the key, be accountable for what they've done. And I don't think there's anything wrong with us uh, as believers, um, especially like uh, some of the things with the COVID shutdowns and stuff. John MacArthur's church was involved in a ton of lawsuits over the shutdown and they won every single one of them and the government had to pay them reparations for what they had cost the church and that kind of thing. And I think there's a time for doing that, but I think it's more about your motive. It wasn't so much because we want to just show that we're right. It's because we don't want you to be doing this to other churches or doing this to anyone else. And Paul is saying, in this situation in Acts 16, that it's not a matter of being right or not, because if he were forcing that, he probably never would have been thrown into prison. But it was the idea that after it's over and after they find out that they were wrong, they want to try to kind of sweep it under the rug. And Paul said, nope, there's going to be some accountability here. And he stood up. Micah 6, pardon me, 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And he's going to expound on it. And what does the Lord require of you? Okay, to do justice, and that's what Paul did there, to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so we're going to have to be wise when we do that. And that's what Solomon is saying here. Don't be the person who is just pushing everything just because you're right and you want to be obnoxious with it. Don't be a wise guy. And don't be the person who's also going to be a doormat because if you allow people to walk all over on you and trample on your legal rights, they're going to do it for someone else. There was that old thing from Germany in World War II. Um, I can't quote it verbatim, but basically... The guy says this, they came for the trade unionists and I wasn't a member of the union, so I didn't speak up. And then they came after somebody else and that wasn't my group, so I didn't speak up. And then they came after the, and it goes all the way down to, they came after the Jews and I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't speak up. 
Then they came after me, and there was no one left to speak up for me. So I think we find in the Bible plenty of reasons to say we ought to speak up and we ought to do justice in the way that we treat other people and in how we expect our government to act. And right now, our government is not really acting in a just manner, in my opinion. And I think a lot of you know what I mean and would agree with me, and we ought to be able to speak up about those kind of things. Solomon is talking a whole lot more about on a personal level, a personal level. It's what Jesus said when he said, turn the other cheek. And when he talks about that, he's not saying if somebody punches you, don't punch back or don't defend yourself or let them go ahead and destroy your children or um, your wife or anything like that. He's not talking about that. Jesus is talking about when you're personally insulted, don't retaliate and don't be that person. And uh, yet we find that that is so difficult to do. It's an insult to be slapped in the face, and that was the point of Jesus. People are going to insult you because of what you think and because of what you believe and because you follow Christ, and we don't want to retaliate. However, I do think there's room that if the government gets out of line and our First Amendment rights are violated, I think for the sake of the cause of Christ and also for other believers who might get caught up in that thing, we ought to stand up and we ought to fight back. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense to you. We're to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And then number four, Solomon is telling us, here's the problem, don't go to extremes. And that's what we tend to do. And uh, Ecclesiastes 7.18 says, It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Holding on to both things. Being able to see both points of view. Being able to wisely look at a situation and see both sides of the issue. You're not 100% right and neither are you 100% wrong. There's probably kind of a balance in there. And when you um, have problems with another person, somebody said one time to me that critics, they may not hit the bullseye, but they rarely miss the target. And if we're that person who is overly righteous, always having to be right, then we discredit everything our critics might say because they didn't actually hit the bullseye. They're not really on target. Let me show you where you're wrong and where you missed it. And the truth is we probably should look at it and say, why are you shooting at me? And is there anything to what you have to say? Because we could learn from that and we could grow from that and we could profit from it. And that's what Solomon is saying by grasp both things, get both sides of the issue and learn from both of those kind of things. In fact, I have uh, had times, and maybe you have too, when somebody had something that they criticized you about and they got it wrong. They weren't there. They were going by hearsay. They had their facts wrong about it. And if you could just be calm and not get angry and talk about it, then you come to the place to where they and you both can say, oh, okay, I see where this is coming from. We really don't disagree. In fact, we actually agree more than we disagree. And both of you, your friendship, your relationship is stronger. And maybe you both have learned and grown because through all of that, you may have been able to say that didn't happen like that, but it could have. And it didn't happen the way it was presented, 
but it still doesn't mean I was totally in the right. And we tend again to go, you're either for me or against me. Now, Jesus can say that, but you can't because he knows all men and he knows the hearts. But you don't know that. And so uh, that's why we have to look at things in a balanced uh, manner. And so it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. It's not always an either or situation in things. And that's what causes a lot of fights in things. We make it an either or. You either agree with me totally or you are my enemy completely. And uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't bode well. Whoever fears God will hold all extremes, uh, will avoid all extremes. And uh, that's the problem. We get pushed into a corner, painted into a corner, we say. And sometimes because of that, we find ourselves in an indefensible position and we find out we find ourselves in a position where we'll never be able to witness to that person or advise that person or even help that person or befriend that person because we pushed it way too hard and way too far and we need to understand there's only one person that is perfectly righteous in every judgment that he makes and that is God and it's not us and I had somebody that was in my office one time, and boy, they were really upset about something. And I said, do you know for sure that that happened and that that was said? And they said, well, of course I do, or I wouldn't be here. And I said, how sure are you? And they said, 99% sure. And I said, in other words, there's a chance it didn't happen at all. And they said, well, no, 99%. And I said, 99% positive leaves a 1% negative, right? And that person, to their credit, kind of backed down. They said, well, I guess, I guess that could have happened. And I said, well, now you need to consider the fact, what if it didn't happen? What, how are you handling this and how are you going to handle this with the chance that it may not have happened like you thought it happened at all or they meant it like you thought they meant it at all? And to his credit, he backed down, cooled off, and handled it much better. And that's what is... Uh, what we're being taught here. We've got to be careful about this situation. And so uh, we need to understand that it's good to be wise, but don't be a wise guy. And it's good to yield your rights, but don't encourage evil when you do it. Don't encourage evil or abuse. In other words, don't be a doormat. And uh, how do we escape these destructive extremes? And that is humility before God. And only he is right about everything. And only uh, he, when, um, see, I've got to get this where I can see it well. Um, only he knows how long and um, how this all is supposed to work. Okay. Uh, the how and the why. Think about that. Um, there are times when God exercises justice immediately, and there are other times when he says, we'll wait, we'll do it later on. And you've got to trust him in that. That's what I'm trying to say here. And uh, only he gives wisdom to know when we are to, um, to do, uh, what we are to do, and when we are to do it. And James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. And Proverbs 29, 11, boy, this is a big one for us nowadays. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So the idea is to be wise in these situations. And uh, we say, well, I just needed to vent. I'm, um, I'm sorry for the way I said it, but not sorry, sorry for what I said. That's not always a wise thing if you really want to represent God properly and you want to have relationships that honor him because a fool gives full vent to his spirit. So the conclusion would be then that the scripture is clear that uh, we uh, are not to be led by our ruled by our feelings. We are not to be pressured by others and we're not to be merely um, reacting by instinct because that'll lead you almost always wrong, won't it? Self-control is a virtue. In fact, it's part of the fruit of the spirit. Just like love, joy, and peace, we like those. But self-control is in there as well. And the Bible says that if you can rule your spirit, you're like the ruler of a, of a city. And uh, unlike what you will hear from the world, consider uh, what God has to say. And uh, the verse I just quoted, I can quote it exactly now, Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and without walls. So if there are no walls in the city, especially back in Solomon's day, what did that mean? That terrorists and criminals and marauders and enemies can just come and go and do whatever they want. And we don't want a world where everybody is allowed to do whatever they want. That's what everybody cries for. But yet that uh, anarchy is not a good place to live. We like law and order. We like boundaries. We like some protection. That's why you lock your doors at night. That's why if you have a, an alarm on your house, that's why you set it. That's why you lock your car doors and that kind of thing, because you don't just want everybody doing whatever they please. Well, that would apply to you and to me as well. We have to have some restraint and we've got to have some wisdom and we've got to have some self-control instead of just verbally vomiting all over people whenever we get upset. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. We like those. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Uh, we like some of those, not the patience part, do we? And faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, against these things there is no law. And it's interesting that we like the fruit of the Spirit when other people display them toward us. We all want people to be loving toward us and joyful toward us, peaceful. And we want them to be patient with us and kind to us. And we want them to show goodness to us. We want them to be faithful to us. We want them to be gentle or appropriate to us. And we want them to have self-control. You didn't have to say that. You know, we might say that to somebody. But if we're going to expect that from other people, that's what we've got to give to other people. And uh, so that's what Solomon is talking about. Don't be running off at the mouth one way or another, and don't be running to extremes. Only God is the one with perfect knowledge and the perfect ability to do everything righteously. But you don't have that ability. 
And uh, this will save you a lot of trouble if you'll take Solomon to heart. That's why it's in the Bible, and that's why it's in the part of the Bible that is called the wisdom literature. We need to be wise. And if we lack wisdom, the book of James says, let us ask God who gives to all men liberally. And one of the ways he'll do that is to uh, have you read Proverbs and um, Ecclesiastes and get the wisdom that comes from the Word of God, especially in the way that we act toward other people. That's where we stumble so often, and that's where we fall so often. And look how, if we would take what he said today, how different would our marriage be? How different would our parenting be? How different would our relationships with other, other people be? And that seems to be what his point is. So I hope that helps you a little bit to understand when he says, don't be overly righteous or overly wicked, he's not saying, you know, just don't, you know, be too righteous, too good, or too bad. Be somewhere in the middle. It has to do with something completely different. Don't be a wise guy who always has to be right. And don't be a doormat that is always taking things and allowing evil to go unchecked. There we go. That's a pretty good summation of it. Okay, thank you for your time. And thank you, teachers, for looking at this and taking it to heart. I pray that God blesses you as you teach your class. And for those of you who watch this because you want to keep up with us and you want to learn the Word of God along with your Sunday school class, I pray that God blesses you in all of this as well. So thank you again, and we will see you next week.